Hey, y'all. Uh, welcome to the Perfect Love Podcast. Um, I got here with me Sarah Taylor. Hi. And a Derek Scott III, also known as DS3. Mm-hmm. Um, we're super excited to get started. Uh, we got all sorts of stuff to talk about. Um, but first, I just want to break down a little bit. Um, just why we are calling it the Perfect Love Podcast. Uh, Sarah and I were talking through this and trying to discover what we're going to name it, and it was kind of really difficult to come up with something. And then I remembered First uh, John four eighteen, uh, which says, "I'm going to pull this up so I can actually see it." There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, mm-hmm. for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That's good. Um, and that just really stood out to me because this, there's a lot of fear uh, around being in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and there's a lot of fear just in the church around that. Um, so I was thinking of just something so powerful that it casts out that fear, that perfect love. Um, so that just stuck. And here we are with our first one live. So um, I hope y'all enjoy this. Uh, and I think Sarah has a few things she wants to say before we get started. Yeah. So one, thank you all for being here, as Austin said. Um, So we're going to start out by talking to Derek and kind of like asking him some questions and getting some of Austin and I's questions answered. But then we're going to let y'all ask your questions. And so what you can do is in the comments and start whenever you want, tag Austin and I and just drop your questions for Derek. And then we'll try to see if he'll answer them. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Depends on how much they donate to CCW. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Pay to play, y'all. Pay to play. Um, That's campstocity.org slash support. Come through. (laughs) Come on through. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So um, yeah, we're going to dive into this theme of armor, which is what we've been discussing on the page. Um, But first, how are y'all? How are y'all? You can also comment that. But how are y'all? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I had a nap before this because I just wanted to be energized to talk with y'all. Um, and we'll see if it works because mm. it's hit or miss with naps for me. Um, but, I mean, I've been all right. There's just the heaviness and the atmosphere and just going day to day. So I definitely not going to pretend like I have a happy face on. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been tiring. Uh, it's just working through everything going on in the media and um, – just trying to think how to be a good ally and someone to like support everything that's going on. But yeah, it's good. I'm good working, you know? Mm. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm good. Nice. I'm reading a lot of interesting stuff these days. About? A lot of things. I'm reading this book uh, called knowing Jesus by James Allison. And it literally like rocked my life last night. Like so good. Um, I almost wanted to cry. Um, it was really good and deep. And then I'm listening to this audiobook um, called The Body Keeps Score. And uh, it started out talking about Vietnam vets and PTSD and how PTSD is found within uh, the body as much as it's uh, uh, something that's uh, a mental incapacity. So, like, it mm-hmm. was just like, wow. And then I've got a kitten and yeah. friends and text messages that I need to respond to. And. <laughs> I'm coming. Um, give me a minute or a week. And um, yeah, life's good. No complaints. Awesome. What so, about you? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I've like been feeling very disconnected the last few weeks, just like from the world and like from my emotions. So that's been an interesting experience. Um, but all in all, I'm okay as Derek is doing lots of work, lots and lots of work, because I am a workaholic. And I should get that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to a support group, because then you're not working. Exactly. You get it. I get it. I'm, we are here. So this is your day off, and you're here. What, what's a day off? <laughs> okay, this is your day you're supposed to take it easier. I'm, this is easy. This is easy. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it feels easy. It, I, I it definitely want it so to be easy. like that. So. It feels Earl Grey easy. Oh, that's great. That's a segue into the answer of this next question. Um, I wanted to ask one thing of, of all of us, uh, just to get everyone familiar with who's watching with us. I know some of y'all know who we are, but if you don't or if you do, uh, here's some more information. I just wanted to know a fact about y'all that most people don't know. 
Um, I can start off while you're all thinking if it's the last second. Um, but some of y'all know and some of y'all don't, but I have a cat. He's pretty new to the family, and his name is Earl Gray. He is a beautiful boy and is just ever getting more amazing. Um, so if you don't know, I'm a, I'm a cat dad now, so that's, that's my little fact for y'all. Um, so whoever wants to go next with a little fact. Gosh, something, I mean, it's like, which one thing do I choose, right? Like, there's so many things locked away that I've never talked about. Um, this is me joking. I don't, <laughs> I feel like I've talked about every little nook and cranny of my life, especially, mm. especially now. Like yeah. there's a whole thing that everybody knows about now. Yeah. Um, I, oh gosh, I don't, Sarah, you go. I don't know. I didn't know he was going to ask me this. I thought we were just asking you this. No. I didn't prepare anything. Yeah, that's right. Nice doesn't have to be your deepest darkest secret it can just be like a hobby or i think i've got it okay okay, okay. i used to play basketball and i did not know that yes i played basketball i was terrible at offense but i was really good at defense mm. like my coach what he would do was whenever it became clear who the major scorer person was on the other team you could tell i didn't play basketball long um that's who i would have to guard mm. that was I'd be a Sunday guard and he would say it looked like I was hugging people which is funny because I actually don't really like hugs um but yes I played basketball and I was good at defense was it was it with upward sports or was it (laughs) (laughs) no I was not like Sid it was with my uh the private Christian school I went to that's great Um, sounds it sounds pretty legit that's like that's one I would never ever be able to play basketball soccer was mostly my thing but that's cool Okay, I don't know if people know this, so because it's been a while since I've talked about it, but I used to breed hamsters when I was a teenager. I don't think that counts as your interesting fact because you had volunteered that like a week ago in another thing, and so you just went to the most recent fact. I'm trying to find. I tell y'all everything. Like I didn't know, so I think that. That works for okay. sure. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Like, how, how I was raised, this endeavor? Uh, probably about, I mean, oh, four or five years of my oh life. Oh, my God. I raised. Was around, it a good hustle? Yeah. <laughs> I paid for um, all kinds of, like, school trips because of it. Mm. Uh, so mm. I would, if this gets a little gruesome, trigger warning. Oh. I mean it. Trigger warning. Okay. okay. Um, so at first it was just cool because I was learning about genetics and I was like, ooh, I wonder. And like, so I get these different types of hamsters and then breed them and see like mm-hmm. what the litters would look like. And at first, like that was just like it. And then I was like, um, I found out that there was a pet store that would buy um, the babies for their their snakes. Again, oh, wow. trigger oh. warning. Oh. Um but then also that pet store would also then like if I raised hamsters, they would also buy, buy the fully buy, grown. Buy the, yeah, mm-hmm. but as well. And so sometimes I would sell them babies and other times I would sell them older babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so for about four or five years, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Which one was uh, more profit, the babies or the, the fully grown? I'm, I'm just Actually so the fully grown. Yeah. The fully grown ones. Because uh, obviously like there's a difference. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> it's also... The animal kingdom, y'all. But uh, there's a difference in paying for food versus paying for pets. That's very true. Yes, that's really hard. I know. I know. Um, But eventually I just got over it. Like it just, it became, because hamsters are actually very high strung. um, And one thing in particular is that they're very territorial. And so it's difficult to have multiple Mm. hamsters in one space. Um, they would eventually fight and sometimes fight to the death because oh they're so God. territorial. Um, oh, okay. And so there's just a lot of, lot of like even, yeah, there's so much going on there. Y'all know I could go in. I'm not going in on this tonight. That'll be in our other podcast, Stories About Pets and... Um, oh, yes. And... <laughs> 
I can talk about my murderous animal culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell us about our mur- my murderous guinea pigs that I had. That would be an oh interesting thing. Guinea for that pigs podcast. and hamsters are very closely related. Who, in that who knew respect. we needed this podcast? This people CCW. are out there right now having questions about hamsters, yeah. and they're like, "I can go to Derek for these with yeah. these questions." Make sure, make sure to comment if you want this uh, podcast because <laughs> it won't happen. But yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> so with that, you know, I might make it happen. <laughs> you can do it. I'm tag this is me why, if you want this podcast. This is why we don't ask questions of Derek that we <laughs> no. haven't pre-planned the answers. That's so funny. Because then it goes off in a whole direction. That's great. So with that lovely uh, hamster story, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about your story and how <laughs> you got here. <laughs> this, you know, it's, that is such a rough. I, I really, segue. I hope it's not anywhere close to that story as no. far as so what part of the story do you want austin um tell me just a little bit about the the this blog series that came out and like how you came to the conclusions the ideas that pu- pushed you in this direction of mm-hmm. taking off the armor yeah yeah so um i'm pretty sure most people know uh beginning of may of this year i came out publicly as uh, a dude who's attracted to dudes and uh, shorthand gay. Um, but I don't know if that's really the label, but it works. It's fine. It, it's good. Um, so, um, and I came to the place of doing that, making that announcement uh, because of my faith in Jesus. I felt like Jesus asked me to come out publicly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spent three years just trying to think through how I was going to do that in a way that both fit me and also acknowledged that um, I don't live on an island. Me coming out was not just me coming out, but it was something that had the potential to uh, impact many different spaces that I occupy on a regular basis. Um, Lots of people that I'm connected to, lots of projects and work that that I am a part of. And so I really wanted to find a way to put put this part of my story out there in a way that people could um, envision how I got here and and sort of the process, the reasons why, not only that I was coming out, but that I was coming out confidently, mm-hmm. not really struggling with my sexuality, but mm-hmm. acknowledging and embracing that this is who I am um, and, and inviting people to love me, including this part. Um, So in July of 2019, I started going to counseling weekly, and it was in the midst of counseling that I kind of came to this idea of armor that was too heavy. And immediately it took me to images of David, uh, shepherd boy, about to fight Goliath. but that was like that was sort of the illustration that seemed to really the biblical illustration, by the way, that seemed to really uh, connect with this part of my story. And as I was preparing to come out and thinking about sort of the image that I wanted to uh, project, um, as I made that announcement and shared that part of my story, the the story of David, um, not. Be, he could have worn the armor, but it wouldn't. It didn't fit. It didn't work for him. It was someone else's armor. It was someone else's tradition, um, and the things that got David into that moment, into that part of his story, um, were not connected to the armor that he was invited to wear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, if he was going to really play his role, he was going to have to take the armor off. The armor did not fit, and so he had to take it off. And so, for me, that. Um, was how I felt about being in the closet. That in many ways, I wore that armor, if you will, uh, for a lot of reasons. I wore it because that's what I was told to to do. I was told to uh, keep this secret in some respects or keep it minimized. Don't let it be anything that anybody knows. Um, And and honestly, like, and I've, I've said this in the blogs and I say it again, there are people in, in, the, in the course of my life that um, told, told me explicitly or implicitly to keep the armor on, not because they wanted to diminish me or not because they didn't love me, like they did love me. This is all we had. I mean, this is where I think about uh, the story of David and Goliath. Like, if you're going to go fight Goliath, you're going to put on armor. That's what everybody did, right? So... Even if the armor didn't fit other people, like what no one had ever seen someone just like 
go out there to fight someone without armor on, at least not and, and not live to tell the tale. <laughs> so um, I, I just want to acknowledge that there are lots of people who who are on the journey who um, would say, "Well, we loved you and we we cared for you." It's like, yes, you did. The armor though that I wore that felt like I had to wear in order to keep that love at times, mm -hmm. to keep my position, um, to fit in, and to actually be a part of the action, yeah. it didn't fit. Yeah. And eventually, while I wore it for a while, I just felt like I almost couldn't exist if I kept it on, I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. It was inhibiting parts of me that were really important to who I am. That had nothing to do with my sexuality, but because I was already in the habit of hiding, I was hiding all kinds of other things. Yeah. And that's just sort of what you do. Once you start hiding one part of your life, you just start bringing it all in. And um, it took a lot of extra energy at times to even walk into spaces because I'm hiding. Um, and so ultimately, I just came to this place where I needed to take the armor off because it did not fit. And to trust that whatever vulnerabilities I was going to expose to the people who loved me, the people um, that I worked with, um, my campus ministry, whatever, whatever was going to happen as a result of exposing my vulnerability, it would be better for me to be me, fully me, than to continue wearing armor that didn't fit. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I find it really uh, encour encouraging and empowering that <clears throat> not only did you uh, step out in this way and take the armor off in general, which mm -hmm. is one step, but you did it inside of Christianity and inside mm -hmm. of the UMC mm -hmm. um, and did so with like attaching it to this beautiful image of David and Goliath. Like, it's just, for me, that's just so beautiful because a lot of examples I see in my life, and not that this is bad at all, is when I see someone coming out, oftentimes they flee from the church, mm -hmm. rightfully so sometimes, like, mm -hmm. and it's just like, okay, burn it down. Burn mm -hmm. it down is like what I hear. Yeah. But with that, it's like, it's so much Isaiah 61.4. Like, it's, mm -hmm. let's build this thing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so for me, it, you know, I was raised in church. <laughs> Uh, my whole world is scheduled around the life yeah. of the church. Um, that's you don't talk to me for more than a few minutes without me talking about something spiritual. And even I find that even when I'm not thinking I'm talking about something spiritual or churchy or biblical, like people are hearing it in yeah. the midst of it because it's it's a part of me. It's like attached to myself, and even the process of. Uh, wrestling with this, trying to get rid of it, rejecting it, uh, embracing it, reconciling it, you know, all of those things were always in the context of my relationship with Jesus. They weren't apart. And this is where I would say that uh, one of the gifts that I was given, you know, like before I could write, was that there's Jesus and there's the church. And the church is not always on the same page with Jesus doesn't mm. mean that we walk away from the church. It just means that we have to know that there is a distinction between Jesus and Jesus' church. Mm. Yes, Jesus' church should be and is called to be the hands and feet, heart and life of Jesus for the sake of the world. And yet, there is, there is a point of distinction where Jesus at times, I believe, is in a, is in a space or moving in a direction and Jesus is bringing his church along. Mm. Because I was given that gift, well, yes, there's a struggle there. There was pain there. It was there was never this moment that what the church was saying was automatically what Jesus was saying. Sometimes I had to do some work of disconnection, but that was just general work of oh wait, I know that there's a difference here. I know that there's a I just need to come back to what I know. And so yeah. for me, yeah, like it had to be. It had to be wrapped yeah. in scripture. That's what that's what I was raised on. I mean, mm. I read scripture before I read fiction, yeah. um, and I don't read a lot of fiction. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I was in church before I was in school. I was in church before I was in theater. Mm. My, I understood my life in the context of church honestly before I knew my life in the context of being black. Yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, everything for me comes out of my faith journey. Mm. 
that may not work for everyone. And I'm not trying to speak for everyone. It's just work speaking for Derek. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious, since you, you talk about how rooted your identity was in the church and how that trailer P were, do you remember a time before you put on the armor? Or has the armor just always been present with you and be being constructed? I, I do feel like the armor has always been present in some respect. Um, from the first moments that I realized that I was attracted to men, I, for me, I think there was an automatic understanding deep, deep down that somebody thinks something's wrong with this. Mm. Um, you know, by the time I was 12, it was, I'm a walking abomination. This is what happens when you start reading Old Testament really young. Yeah. And you, you know, read the Levitical laws and you see the word abomination and you see what happens to abominations and then you draw conclusions because you actually did listen in uh, class when we were drawing context clues and and all of a sudden you're like, I am that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, it, there, the, the, the armor I think was always there. Mm -hmm. My work was one, separating myself from the armor and separating Jesus's voice from the church. Mm -hmm. Jesus's voice from a very specific theological take, though predominant at the time, a very specific theological take on same-sex attraction. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's difficult too. Like mm -hmm. separating Jesus's voice from the church's voice specifically. Like I know for me when I started doing that, I was probably 16 or 17, like and I it, that was like just the beginning and like to have that kind of placed on you that pressure in a sense to like okay, we got to start doing that so young. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of willpower and a lot of strength in yeah. that moment. Um, well, and I'll tell you, when you start doing that, and this is just kind of could land in any kind of conversation, the goal is not let me tell people that Jesus told me to do this and forget you, church. Mm -hmm. You don't know my relationship with Jesus. The goal is not that. Yeah. The goal is to be so deeply connected to Jesus that the fruit of being connected to Jesus can be seen. Yeah. It's the glorify God, do good work in the world, Matthew mm -hmm. 5, so they will glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was, if there was any work that I had to, not work, but anything that I had to be very serious about is that in me believing that Jesus told me this thing that was contrary to what most of the church, at least in the church that I grew up in, believed Jesus would say, it was my job to be so deeply connected to Jesus that the fruit of being connected to Jesus couldn't be denied. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Hmm. Um, so speaking of the church, as we do, um, how has it been kind of releasing these, these blog series and stuff in a church that is, uh, separating in a sense, starting separation, uh, on the topic of sexuality, mm -hmm. the issue of sexuality, how has it been being in those spaces and still being committed to that instead of yeah. the burn it down kind of mentality? Yeah. So um, one of the things about being an Enneagram five is that I'm really good at compartmentalizing mm. um, and maybe other Enneagram numbers are good at it. But I know that as an Enneagram five, I'm mastered <laughs> in it. Like that is my world. That's how I organize my world yeah. is through compartmentalization. Um, to be honest, I haven't been in many spaces to uh, navigate mm -hmm. our current uh, our current debate on human sexuality in the UMC because I came out in the beginning of May and COVID, COVID. kind of struck mid yeah. mid March and so we haven't all been in the same room. But what I can say is that before that, knowing that I was headed in this direction and being a part of conversations around the debate, a part of conversations around the coming schism, protocol for grace and reconciliation, all of those pieces. One of the things, again, being someone who compartmentalizes that somehow it never seemed to be about me. Hmm. These conversations, these debates, pieces of legislation, plans, um, they never seem to be about me. And I think that's good and bad. The good part of it is that I was able to step into those spaces and and be there. And, and the line where it became personal was much further 
than for some of my other colleagues. And so that, that just gave me more endurance at times to stay at the table. Um, yeah. I would say bad is that there's probably something in me that still needs to be connected to this part of my identity. Mm-hmm. That there, there, is, it, there may be a self-protectiveness that I am bringing to this space uh, by not identifying with, you know, identifying with legislation that's about, church legislation that's about LGBTQ individuals, I am on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. There's probably some self-protection that, starting with my next (laughs) counseling session, we're probably gonna start chipping away at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, so that remains to be seen. And that's just me being honest. Um, For me, and this is again, this is what I feel like I do bring to the table. I tend to not be deeply and personally connected to things, what we call, what the Enneagram language should be, non-attachment. And uh, again, there's some good stuff and some not great stuff about that. But that's just my posture in general, even talking family, talking United Methodism, talking about being a black man, um, yeah, we're talking about me, but are we talking about me? I don't know. So that that's its own yeah. tangent, but definitely, I understand how that that kind of disconnect or uh, like distance created there is a, definitely a healthy thing because it's kind of the mentality of like you can't do everything at once. You can't fuel the weight of your identity while talking about these identities like at yeah. the same time all the yeah. time. It's a skill. It's a thing that like is chosen um, and some people like have, but yeah. And again, I, I offer the, maybe it's not so good part just to be, just to present some balance. Yeah. Um, I do feel like Jesus has designed me in such a way that I can be a non-anxious presence in really tense environments and yeah. to keep my head when others are not able to. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like that's part of um, y'all use spring retreat language, part of how I'm a gift mm-hmm. to the church. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. says something again mm-hmm. about that fruit. It shows that fruit, the mm-hmm. level headedness of yeah. it all, which there is need for people who can show the righteous anger, but there's also so much need for the level headed. Yeah. 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 So how has it been, I guess, taking the armor off outside of the UMC context? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> again, not a lot of opportunities because we're still in a bit of COVID um, quarantining. Um, I'll just say that in general, Sarah, um, I underestimated just how much energy I gave to holding on to the armor and hiding. Mm-hmm in most spaces. Um, even I was in the brewery today and um, one of my coworkers, uh, y'all work at Intuition Networks part-time, everybody knows this, but watch, there's one person who didn't know it. Um, so I was over there for a meeting and um, one of my coworkers was like, bro, I read your blog, like it was so good. And like, and I realized just how how surprised I was that that's what we were talking about there. And then I realized that we had been talking for five minutes before we even got there Mm -hmm. and how I wasn't putting in energy that I normally would put in that was often front of mind of don't let them know you're gay. Don't let them know you're gay. Don't let them know you're gay. And the amount of energy I would devote, like, yes, like under the surface energy, definitely, but definitely energy. Don't let them know you're gay. Don't let them know you're gay. And now, now, like, that's just not, a yeah. tape that's running, mm. it's just not running anymore because anybody can just go get the blog and just find out, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, um, and so because of that, like, I find myself being able to contribute in spaces in a way that I hadn't before because mm-hmm. I'm just freed more. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I have yeah. extra capacity that's not being devoted to hiding. Um, so that, for me, has just been really incredible I've even watched some of my preaching now and how in my body I feel my messages deeper mm. in a way that That's I great. have not. And I've caught myself a couple of times like, what's going on with me? Mm. And I think some of it is just simply, I'm not using energy to hide. 
And so that energy gets um, inputted towards the thing I'm actually doing a little bit more. Yeah. Speaking of your preaching, it's been, it's really interesting, I think, for me to like look back on your preaching in the last three years, because I've only been mm-hmm. in CCW like three and a half, four years. Mm-hmm. And I can remember things you've said, particularly in the last year, that now I go, oh my gosh, he was preaching to himself. He was like talking about the deep work he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember it was like spring of 2017 and we did that sacred sexuality series, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one thing you said was you were like, in some ways I'm qualified to talk about this, in other ways I'm not. And your thesis of that, if I remember correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was that we had to create this culture of honesty around purity and mm-hmm. like sexuality. And like, because keeping secrets causes harm. Mm-hmm. And like, to think about that and then think about how at like key team retreat last fall, you were like, I've regretted every no I've said to Jesus, I've never regretted saying yes. Right. And then to like, think about the known series and the scene series and like, the way you talked about being seen allows us to be loved and known. I love and these like, connections. This is it's just <laughs> and this, these connections scare the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, y'all got to stop listening so hard. Come on. Well, I mean, just the things you say, I think, have impact and weight, which I think you forget a lot of times. I do. I do. And so it's just, it's really, I don't know, I guess just beautiful to like know that you're feeling you're preaching deeper now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like also to just be able to like look and see that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say that the, the sermons that I write and even the series that I create, they don't start with me. They really do start with the community and where I believe the community is, what Jesus wants to do in our community. However, I recognize that I'm the one often giving the message. And so one of my core commitments is to be as integrous as I can be in the moment that I'm in. And so back when we did Sacred Sexuality, I couldn't be as integrous as I wanted to be because it wasn't time for me to come out fully. Mm -hmm. But I could begin to lay groundwork that if anyone ever went back to that one, back to that sermon, they would know that the guy who preached that sermon knew that at some point the guy a few years later would exist. And I think integrity is really tough, particularly when you're working on being honest and especially when you are someone who's been asked to preach um, on behalf of the gospel mm-hmm. but I have always tried to hold that commitment of integrity hold that commitment of um, being as honest as I can be in the moment and if I can't be as honest and integrous to make that a part of my work um, I'm sure I've got a sermon and a blog that's like super contradicting and somebody needs to call me on it because I want to correct it. Um, This is a journey for me as much as it's a journey for anybody else. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to have a kind of a final question here Um, and just to apply to other people, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on how you personally would encourage people who are, taking off their armor or still deciding if they want to take off their armor um, just in the process of that uh, just what encouragement do you have for them yeah I want to invite people to um, consider that the armor is not simply or solely about sexuality clearly I do not think (laughs) that that's the only reason that 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 story is there there are lots of people say it's not the reason at all I'm like I hear you but I would invite us to think about the ways that we have felt um, that we had to wear some kind of self-protective covering if we were going to A, be accepted, B, um, have a place, C, actually be where the action is. And I would invite folks to think about um, if that armor actually fits. I have a friend who sent me a message as response to the uh, the blog, and they said their their armor had nothing to do with sexuality. It actually has to do with uh, uh, a mental health diagnosis. Wow! Yeah. And the fear that if they were honest about their mental health diagnosis, because they had learned how to put the armor on it. Mm-hmm. They had learned how to hide it. They had learned how to work with it. And so the fear was that if they took the armor off that really didn't fit, 
that they would one be pushed out of community or they'd be put they'd still be a community but people would treat them differently and yes people are going to treat you differently because it's a renegotiation of of narratives yes but there's a thought that like it was going to be extremely different and yeah. that they would be viewed as too weak yes to oh. actually be in be in the parts of their story and the parts of the world that they wanted to be in yeah but reading the blogs they're like i gotta take off this armor this armor that has to do with the diagnosis that yeah. I know about and I've done deep work around, but no one else knows. And so they don't know that this is who we are. And one of the things that's, that we, we have not had the benefit of in the church is our diversity. For way too long, church has been a homogenous environment across the board. And so we don't even know how to deal with conflict because we assume everybody thinks the same things, wants the same things, and needs the same things. But until we have people who are willing to say, I'm going to have to take off this armor. Yes, you're going to see my vulnerabilities. You're also going to see that my vulnerability is my strength. Yes. And I'll be able to fight parts of the battle that you can't, that you're afraid to. And you know what? It's reasonable that you're afraid to because you're not called to that particular battle. I am. Yeah. But you got to be okay with me fighting it in this way. And all that to say, I just want to invite people to think about how they bring their most honest selves first to Jesus. There's no reason to hide from the lover of your soul. There's just no reason. I get why we do it, but there's just no reason to hide. Nothing could ever separate you. No armor could separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So first, have deep, deep honesty with Jesus. Then engage on a journey of deep honesty with people that you trust. Mm -hmm. Let people love the real you. I was not able to be loved in a way that I needed to be loved because I never let people get to know the real Derek. That's on me. They might have done things to make me think. <laughs> they might not. But there is also this part that I must own. You, My therapist says it, and, and she's amazing, but she might be quoting somebody else. You can't love and be loved and also be self-protective that's a journey that's not overnight that's not a one session i'm done i got it thing but you gotta engage deep honesty with the people that love you yeah and then i invite you as you are able to bring your deep honesty to the church the fear is that if i do it there will not be anyone around me. They will excommunicate me. They will walk away from me. They won't understand me. Those are real fears. I'm grateful that there are folks in the LGBTQ story, the larger story, who stepped out, took off the armor way before I did, so that when I did, I got just a ton of affirmation. But I got that ton of affirmation because of all these other folks who took that first step. Um, let's hope you're not the first one. But even if you are the first one, you become the first of many siblings. You become the first of a, a new side of the table of Jesus. You become the first of a new revelation of the love of Jesus manifested in the world. Yeah. But we can't get that if we don't bring our deep honesty to the church. Mm. It's really okay if you wait three years to go there, by the way, y'all. I'm saying that from personal experience. Yeah. And so I would roll it all the way back to the beginning. Bring your most raw honesty to Jesus and let him love you and let him lead you. That's so beautiful. I love that. That's that's so great. Just the, the thought of the version of ourself that we're striving to bring to God, this most honest David, again, David-like, where he, this honesty that David pours into his psalms and mm -hmm. sometimes pretty gruesome honesty, like bringing that to God and seeing God in others bring, and bring that to people to be that that person yeah. and to, to be vulnerable like that. That's so beautiful. Um, so that's I think that's a great topic to end this segment on cool. um we're gonna move into the q a section of this can i this is gonna be so tacky what time is it it is 7 39 beautiful yeah. okay so um, i realized that i need to send a text probably <laughs> before eight and my phone's over there um amazing yeah all right 
Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this Q and a segment, if you haven't already been asking questions or commenting stuff, go ahead and start doing it. We might not get to all of them. And if we don't, we'll address that in the actual page where we can have more discussion. Again, we're going to answer as honestly as possible. So if I don't know the answer to it, I'm not going to give you an answer. <laughs> I will give you what I best know. And if I don't have the information, I'm going to do some research and we can engage on the page. So with that, um, Sarah, do we got any questions? We do. We do have questions. Oh, gosh. Yes. Uh, Question one. Uh, How's Julian today? Okay. So <laughs> Julian is relentless in his desire to get to know the dogs, specifically Winston. Now, Winston just doesn't know what to do with Winston, um, with Julian just yet. Um, and so whenever he sees Julian, at least initially, he was just barking it all up. I mean, my, my house has never been so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all know me. I'm not here for a loud house. <laughs> um, the other day, this is going to get to the question, but the other day um, I woke up from a nap, as I do, and I was like, wait, where's Julian? Where's Julian? I don't understand. And Winston looked like nervous, frustrated, whatever. It was like, where's Julian? Julian was in the office with the dogs um, under one of the shelves. But he was in there. No, and he chose. Like, I know you're like, oh, no. These are choices that Julian's yeah. making. So this is what Julian's doing. Julian is either sitting right in front of the doggy door, staring at the dogs. So strange. <laughs> or he's just deciding that he's climbing in there and go make them love him. So last night I get up and um, I needed to make sure I actually cut off the pot, coffee pot, <laughs> which I hadn't. And, um, and so I, I'm like, and I, so I go out and Julian is not in my room right now because I'm still learning how to deal with my allergies. That's a whole nother saga of this story. But Bengals are hypoallergenic, right? Right, right. <laughs> Except if they're not full Bengal. Glory to Jesus. Um, Julian's still the best, so it's all good. Um, but um, I get up, and it's late at night, and I'm like, where's Julian? Where's Jul-? Julian's in the office. Now, the, the boys are in their kennels, too, but they're not screaming. Mm-hmm. So Julian's in the office sleeping Aww. with in the same room as the boys. So and so there will be a day, and the day is going to look like this. I'm going to walk through my house and look in my office and all three are going to be all snuggly. Hmm. And that's going to be a day, y'all. And then I'm going to make a TikTok out of it. <laughs> and then my house will go back to being quiet. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So, wonderful, wonderful. Um, Now switching back to more serious questions. Okay. <laughs> yes. Like about my allergies in relation to Julian? Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That's definitely what the people want to know. Yep. Um, is there ever a place for some parts of our stories and identities being too sacred and private to share with the world? Mm. Yes. Yes. That's a great question. I have always believed that you are the teller of your own story and you decide what chapters get released and when. But ultimately, I invite us to not hold any parts of our stories back from Jesus and I'll be honest, I actually don't know what it's like to hold any part of my story back from Jesus. Mm. And it may be because of how long I've been walking with Jesus and feeling like I have a personal relationship with Jesus, not just a religious relationship with Jesus, but a personal relationship with him. Um, So personally, I don't know what that's like to hold anything back from him. Um, But I invite people that at the bottom, at the base, Bring your deep honesty to Jesus. Everything else will figure itself out along the way. There's also this other piece of it that there's all this stuff underneath the surface, um, underneath our ability to know about ourselves. And that's that has to do with deep work as well, that has to do with pain, that has to do with um, just things that are deep inside of us that we didn't realize was there until someone, sometimes a therapist, sometimes life, pulls it out of us, right? Um, I would bring those things as you discover them straight to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's parts, there are parts of our story that I couldn't even come up with when you're like, tell us something that nobody knows. They're so sacred that I couldn't even, like it doesn't even come up as something to say. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I feel good that if I discover new things about me, I'm like, Jesus, did you know that I wanted a kitten? <laughs> did you know Jesus? And he's like, I knew. I'm like, but I'm allergic to him. He's like, yeah, we're going to have to figure that one out. <laughs> okay. Oh, so good. Um, our third question, which is the last question we currently have. Slide your next question in if you have one, because we're about to end this thing. Um, but what would you say to someone who is not there yet theologically in regard to affirmation of queer identities? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to remind you that this is what I would say. I'm not speaking for all queer Christians or queer allies or those who pastor queer people, but this is what I would say. We have to develop the internal fortitude and strength to free people to be on their own journeys. We have to give people permission to step into spaces when they're ready. Somewhere between Jesus and life, there will be enough pressure to step in those spaces. I would wonder if we need to be that pressure, at least directly. And so people who are not there yet Theologically, I think we gotta we gotta give them time and space. So that means some stuff, right? That means making our own decisions. Maybe being in spaces with them is not safe for us. That means we've got to again have the internal fortitude to say, you know what, this church context is not healthy for me. I'm gonna have to really trust Jesus to find a space that is. Or if Jesus says, hey, don't leave that church context yet. It's not that Jesus doesn't know you need people. Jesus totally knows you need people. And so that, again, that's work. That's your work to go find your people, find your haven, find your shelter. But I think, again, ultimately we have to, we do have to find a way to free people. Because I think this is what we want. We want people to free us to be on our journey and to not assume that because my journey is taking me down this particular road or down this sort of theological stream that I either no longer hold similar commitments as you or that I'm not just like you. That I, yeah. you know, I know there are people that are wondering if I love Jesus still. <laughs> They're wondering if I still um, have a high view of scripture or they're even wondering, some, I mean, there's like two people out there who's probably wondering if I'm going to go to heaven now. God bless. And I get it. Like, and I, 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 but what I really want them to do more than be accepting and affirming is like, just free me up. Mm-hmm. Free me up to be on my journey. And I, so I think we, give, we have to figure out how to yeah. give that to people. And I say that as a, I, I recognize that that is hard. I'm not saying that that's easy, but that would be the thing I would say to an individual who is related to in relationship with people with a theology that is more, um, that is not affirming. Mm -hmm. The work that you would then do internally would be to free them, which means freeing you from needing them to approve of you. Free them to be on their journey. I'll just say this, I told a family member when I, was, when I was telling them, hey, I'm going to come out in a couple weeks. And they started kind of getting a bit of a frustration. And I said, I'm not asking you to grab a rainbow flag. I'm not asking you to affirm me. I'm not, if I get married to a dude, I'm not even asking you to show up to the wedding. Like, and I know that, that for some people, like, are you serious? Like, you don't want your family there? It's like, y'all, and this is just me. I can't keep waiting on people to get on board with my life. I can't. I, I I can't keep waiting on people to free me to be on my relationship with Jesus. And so I'm, I don't want to say that I'm kicking the dust off because I'm not closing the door to them either. Like, if they want to step into my world again, be a part of the narrative again, awesome. But y'all, I'm, I'm too old to be waiting on people to be like, oh, Derek, same Derek. Like, no, I'm too old. <laughs> so I'm going to free people. And that's what I said to my, my family member. I'm like, I want you to know who it is that you're related to. And now you have freedom to decide what to do with that information. Yeah. 
That takes a lot of internal fortitude. That takes a lot of work. I did go to counseling every week starting in July of 2019, y'all. I read books. I listen to podcasts. Constantly working on myself. Meditating often. So please don't think that like, all right, I'm going to free everybody up. Now let's go have sushi. No, that's work. Okay. Um, But I think it's work that is so good. And it turns into the kind of work that benefits everyone around us, um, which is what we're here to do. Yeah. So. Mm. Oh, I love that. Not waiting on people to like go on, go forward. Like that's, that's so empowering. And I, it's often a, an issue a lot of us have of just like waiting on others to be like, yes, you can go mm. and then going and like, yeah. And can I just say that's painful? So you got to stay in yeah. touch with the pain. Yeah. You can't ignore the pain. You got to make sure you take that pain to people that can help you work through it. Friends, yes. therapists, pastors who are affirming all of that. All mm. of that's real. So please don't, I'm not dismissing anything. I'm saying that all of that's the work because I yeah. think that that might be the gift we bring to other people is saying, all right, I'm going. Let me know when you're ready to join. Awesome. I talk too much, y'all. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, do you have any other questions? No, that's it. That's, awesome. that's all people had to ask today. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining. Um, uh, thank you, Derek, for being here, of yeah. course, and talking, which mm-hmm. we love. Um, I, I hope you all enjoyed this, and I hope you all tune in for our next one. That we're going to have another live podcast on June 23rd at 7 p.m. We're going to be unpacking a different topic, and after this, we go into this this theme, this topic, where we're going to be unpacking shame. Mm. A heavy one. It's going to be a lot, but we're going to do it together. Um, and I hope there will be some engagement on the page. If you have any questions, feel free to put anything on that page. We, It's a big, honest community. So, um, yeah, with that, uh, we're out. So thank you so much. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, friends.